0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: In Jesus' name, please remain standing. Let's let's, let's lean in and let the Word of God speak to us once again. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Aren't you grateful to be in this place and to feel what you feel today in the Holy Ghost? Amen. We serve a great God. And uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in our midst. I said in our beginning of our first service that I feel like the Lord had laid something on my heart and stirred me some months ago. And um, I just pray that the Lord will touch us today. I don't um, want you to take anything out of context here this morning. But I feel like the Lord has given me... a. You ever met people that knew how to get the plane in the air, they just didn't know how to land it? They could start a conversation, they just didn't know how to end the conversation. And um, I feel like the Lord has given me a take-all spot, but I can't, I've had trouble finding the runway. And um, I felt fear just kind of go through the building, (laughs) a little concern. I know what a runway looks like, there's hope in that, so, but uh, ask the Lord to touch us today and... I feel something just so strong on my heart, and I, I just want the Lord to touch all of us. I want to preach to everybody today, young and old. I want to preach to everybody in this house. I mean, I thought about something a moment ago. I was sitting there. I, I, I thought maybe we'd just ask the ushers, if they will, to keep the front office door unlocked. And, and if we just kind of go on here today, and it looks like you may be late for work, and you need to call in about that, you can slip back there and make a phone call. Amen. I've thought about that and I thought to myself, I was thinking about that in a cute way and I thought to myself, you don't know how bad I wish that would happen. Just the Spirit of the Lord would just take over this house and midnight would find us right here. Amen. Well, I just threw out a challenge, didn't I? Amen. Well, I just want the Lord to speak to our heart. I'm going to ask you to join me in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture And I'll let you know up front that I understand that Paul in his writing here is dealing with tongues and spiritual gifts in the church. And so I'm I'm just kind of wanting to extract from this passage of Scripture a thought. And I'm not trying to take anything out of context today. But I just want want the Lord to speak something perhaps to our heart. 1 Corinthians 14 and 8. The Bible says, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. In verse 10, and again, I understand what Paul is speaking about, but I just want to pull from verse 10 something There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. And I want to borrow that phrase today, so many kinds of voices in the world. And if the Lord will help me today, I just want to preach to you from this thought, voices. Voices. There are voices that are pulling right now i 've said this so many times as well as many others it 's amazing isn 't it that right in the midst of our even praise and worship, we can be singing with using this instrument right here, singing and other things are pulling our mind in another direction. I prayed seasons of time and realized that my mind was somewhere else completely, and had to stop because there 's voices, voices, voices amen I, I feel you connecting with me now, and I just want the Lord to touch us in Jesus' name. God, I ask you to touch me today and I pray that the Holy Ghost will just help me, God. I believe that you have given me a place to start. I'm just asking you to touch my mind and anoint me, Lord, and anoint all of us that are in this place and let your spirit speak to our lives. And we give you the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you can be seated. I'm going to be sharing just some information with you that I have garnered from other resources, of course. But I I just feel it's so imperative to underline some things in our our life and for our church and for us. So I don't want you to feel that I'm just kind of generally preaching today but I want all of us to accept this as though you and I were just having a conversation in your vehicle riding down the road. How's that? Amen. Amen. We live in a time where many voices are attempting to influence everyone. I don't think any, I, I really truly don't think anyone would be exempt from that, young or old, but most especially today, I feel in my heart to to talk about the youth of our day. And so I want our young people to certainly tune in. I know they're not all just seated right here, but wherever you are across this building today, I want you to tune in. But I don't want one adult in this house to think that I'm just talking to them because I'm talking to everybody. Youth ministry as we know it today has really risen out of a need. Um, if you were to look back through time, and I'm, I'm talking about just uh, decades ago, you would not find youth ministry as we know it today, as we define it today. You would not find youth ministry within the church decades ago. That doesn't mean there wasn't any young people in church but there was no youth culture within the church. The youth culture in America is a byproduct of our more modern society. There are, of course, some things about young people that are universally true. They have been from the beginning of time, and I suppose they will be till the end of time. So the issues of dealing with young people and the issues that young people deal with are not new to the 21st century. They are as old as time itself. But our society, and I'm talking about America today, our society, I'm sure maybe this could reach beyond, but I'm just talking about America today. Our society has created something that simply cannot be ignored. And so perhaps as a precursor to some of my earlier comments, I do want you to understand the context, at least of my heart. I am simply trying to stir up our pure conscience today. By no means am I suggesting that we should sell everything we own and go move into a cave and kind of wait for the Lord to come or hearken back somehow to some bygone era of time or way of life. I'm not suggesting that at all. I just simply want to present some truths and then with the help of the Lord, I want to attempt to contrast that against where we are living today. So let's consider, if we can, for a few moments here, America... Of bygone days. For the most part, America was a nation of agriculture. Countless farms dotted the American landscape, and from this backdrop, many things were set in motion. During this agricultural era, one of the most outstanding, perhaps, characteristics of that day was the simplicity of life. Now, I'm not talking about labor and things of that nature, but it was was just a more simplistic way of life. Time seemed to move at a much slower rate. Life, in some ways, would have been simpler. Now, again, don't get me wrong. The days were just as long. Summer's just as hot. Many times it may have even seemed longer because compared to the technology that is available to us, the work was much more labor-intensive. They cleared land by hand or with... Mules and horses, or perhaps even if they had tools, they would be certainly unsophisticated if we compared them to today. However, from the beginning of time until about the last 100 or 125 years or so, life in America didn't change as much. It was just seemingly much the same from generation to generation. People lived on farms. They produced much of their own goods. This is what we would have found in a pre-industrial America. There wasn't a tremendous number of large cities, so life was being lived out with a large degree of sameness, sameness from one generation to another generation. Since most families were tied somewhat in some way to this agricultural life or lifestyle, the future role of young people was somewhat preset. Again, there's exceptions to everything, just kind of stay in the big middle of the furrow here with me. If your father was a blacksmith, for instance, chances were that if he had a son, his son would be a blacksmith. If the father were a carpenter again, most likely the son would follow the trade of his father as an adult. If your father was a farmer, On and on and on. Your future was just somewhat settled. It was there. That's what you did. That was what you were exposed to at an early age and most all of your life. Therefore, that generally set the pattern for the next generation to follow. The end result of this pattern of living was what maybe some have referred to as a smoother cycle of life. You just transition from one generation to another with a generation behind you sort of knowing where they're going. They know what their future is going to be. Now, I am not, and don't accuse me, please, of looking at yesteryear through rose-colored glasses. I understand the heartache and the pain of yesteryear, but I'm just reaching for a point. This cycle of life almost completely eliminated one of the greatest questions that young men and young women of this generation and of all generations have always asked, and that is what am I going to do as an adult? Because you see those questions were already answered. They already knew their future was somewhat set. They're not lost in time, they're not lost in life. That question for many and for most was essentially answered when you were born because you generally did whatever your parents did. Not only that, but the the period of adolescence was very brief when we think about it, contrasting it against today. This brief period was still referred to as youth, just like we refer to it today, but it wasn't a long period of time like it is today. Also, the time between when a young person reached puberty And when they were married was not a long time. Now think about something with me. I know this is true of me. And I think it would be true of more than just me in this house. But just think about how many of you had parents or grandparents that were married around the age of 14 or 15. So we think about that. And so this is a reality. I, I know that kind of sounds taboo today, but I'm just asking you to go back with me for a little bit. Now, maybe some of them held out a little longer, and they waited till they were 16 or something. But you get my point. And so, if the average age of a young, if the average young person reaches puberty at the age of 15, and if they were often married one to three years around that 15 year mark or that time frame then they didn't have to live through a long period of this time called adolescence because life was kind of defined. You just knew where you were going, what you were going to do, where you were going to be. And so by doing so, young people of that era did not have to cope with as many of their physical passions and they certainly didn't have to cope with them for a very long period of time before they were married. Morally and culturally, that was certainly an advantage, especially given the fact that they did not live in nearly the promiscuous society that we live in today. And so you see this nest that I am trying to build in our mind that there has there always been youth, there've always been young people, but it was just a short period of time. They were not confronted with the same level, certainly of open sexuality and perversion, that our young people face today. And so all of this makes for a balanced sense of goodness. There was just an overall sense of goodness. There's always been evil and immorality, but overall there was a sense of goodness. It seemingly has the right ingredients for solid families and solid futures. In the early 1900s, close to to 50% of the population of the U.S. still lived on farms or in small towns. And so this period of adolescence was brief. Also in many cultures, in many of these agricultural settings, a lot of people had territorial claims. And so this meant that families would own large parcels of land. Consequently, when their children were grown, they would inherit a portion of that land. And uh, and from that, perhaps in some cases, even take the timber from that land and build their own house. And because of this benefit, there were no real mortgages and and things of that nature. Life just had a much more simple flavor, amen, compared to where we are today. Debt, certainly as we know it today, was nearly non-existent. So if you look at this timeline, if you will, your future was already set because you were perhaps going to most likely follow the path of your forefathers, You were going to get married at an early age, you would perhaps inherit land from your family and maybe even build a home and your future right there on that piece of property. We don't live too far away from people today right here in in some of our surrounding communities that have lived, some have been born, lived, and died on the same parcel of ground. And then that would be true. And so if we roll the tape back a few decades, we can see how clearly true that would be. And so I think you see the picture that I'm trying to paint. To be sure, life was not perfect. It was still fraught with many of the same things that we face today, sickness and pain and death and disappointments. And, and again, there's always been evil and always been a sense of immorality. But in other ways, life was much simpler than it is today. One of the greatest blessings was found in the fact that that as a young person, you knew where you stood. You knew what your future was going to be. It was pretty well laid out before you and so you weren't pondering what you were going to do tomorrow. Basically, the only requirement to be an adult at this age was the ability to do physical labor and or be a homemaker. And as soon as you had that ability and that strength Uh, nailed down if you could work in the field had the ability to sow and cook and things of that nature you were considered for the most part an adult now think about that sometimes 13, 14 15 years of age when you could do those things you were soon to be able to reach economic dependence at a much earlier age than we do today you had your own house, time, your own cattle, your own crops and and so, in this age, we find a much smoother cycle of life. However, in the in the follow me now in the age in the dawning of the industrial age, there was a shift in America. There was a shift in the world, but there was certainly a shift in America. In the dawn of the industrial age, the American family started seeing changes within the landscape of the home. Amen. During the industrial age, the factories started to slowly but surely replace the farms and cities began to replace the old small towns and the homesteads. America's youth were destined to be greatly and deeply affected by the shift that is coming in life. With this move from the farm to the cities, there were gonna be now new work roles within the family. In these new work roles, mom and dad would leave the farm. And they would go to the factories and they would go to work there. And because of this, a father no longer took his son to work with him. He no longer put his hand on the plow and said, Now, son, this is how you harness a mule or this is how you hook up a plow. Uh, a, A daughter was no longer there for a mother to take her hand and and to put her hand in that flower and in that dough and, 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 and that buttermilk and say, now this is how you make biscuits and this is how you cook, this is how you clean, this is how you do because there was a separation in the home. Are you following me now? Amen. And so now, now the future is just in a moment of time, in a flash in the pan, if we look back in time, it just seems as though now that with one simple shift, amen, there were gonna be lost opportunities for a son to follow his father and a daughter to follow their mother. Amen, it seemed like no big deal at the time. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna have to, I'm not gonna have to work nearly as hard. It won't really matter if it rains or if it snows or it won't really matter about a drought because daddy's gonna be at the, he's gonna be at the factory here and he's gonna be making a good living. I'm gonna have a good retirement, gonna have health benefits. I'm gonna have it all. Everything's gonna be better. But somebody's gonna have to pay for this. Somebody's gonna have to pay a high price for this. Amen. And so what we really need to see a fact what we really need to see is the fact that right here in the fabric of our nation, the home became torn. Amen, there was a a, a divide in the fabric. There is little doubt in my mind today that we are where we are today because of this small shift that took place at this intersection all for the better, all for the good. It's gonna be much better in the end, amen. But now, the future vocations of our sons and daughter, they're no longer quite so preset now they are, we are injecting into their life some question marks. Now a true measure of uncertainty is placed in the hearts of young people. And can I tell you today that the question on the hearts of many young people is what am I going to do with my life? Amen. I was at a graduation high school graduation just a few weeks ago our destiny here was one of those graduates and, and I stood on that field and please do not think I wasn't being cynical by any of this but, but there was the heart of a pastor and the heart of a, a father and the heart of an adult that was standing there at that moment of jubilation that moment of excitement amen that time when they just rear back and they sell those hats so high into the air without one ounce of Cynicism, please hear me today. In my heart, I was thinking now, where to from here? Where will I go from here? Because up to this moment, I knew what time I was getting up and I knew what time first period started. Up to this moment, I knew when I was eating lunch and when I was going home, I knew how long the bus ride was gonna be. But you see, there's a Monday coming. There's a Monday coming right around the curve. Amen, and I know some of those young people on that field that night knew what they were going to do and their colleges were set. But you get what I'm saying. There's a question mark. What will I do with my life? From here, amen. Where will I go from here? A true measure of uncertainty because this steady cycle of life has now come to an end. What also happened as a result of this gap between parents and children was was the fact that the adult status that adult status was delayed. Now, in a generation or two before, you're 14, you're 15, you've proven that you can plow a field, you're proven that you can do this, you're proven that you can be a homemaker, and, and so it seems in, against our day-to-day, that seems horribly young, but they're already adults. Amen, some of them, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody in this house today, but some of those would fall into that category that are sitting right here. They're young mothers. They're young young fathers, but they entered adulthood at a very, very early age. But now, due to the shift and the cycle of life, amen, the adult status has been put off. Back on the farm, youth was simply a doorway, if I could just perhaps use that as an illustration. Youth was just a doorway. I mean, you're young today and and um, guess what? You're an adult tomorrow. I mean, it's just a doorway. It's just a passage. You just you just step through that. And then it's just a passageway to step through as we discussed a very brief interval of time. But if you compare that to the industrial age and then what would soon be the technological age, this period of adolescence, for the sake of an illustration, is no longer gonna be a doorway, but now we've turned it into a hallway. Now we're not just stepping from childhood to adulthood or childhood, adolescence, adulthood. We have extended that period of adolescence, amen, almost immeasurably, almost immeasurably, now like a hallway. Furthermore, we would see with each decade that has passed since the dawn of this time, that this hallway of youth has gotten longer and longer and longer and longer. This extended period of adolescence is the byproduct of our culture. Now we find another shift in our nation, the technological age and I don't want to spend too much time here on this but I will say of this age that this age now is requiring more and more education. So what are we doing? We're extending the hallway. We're just making the hallway longer. We're keeping young People in this abyss a lot longer. They don't know. Amen. It's, uh, I didn't. I didn't bring these figures with me to the pulpit today, but American families, young American families are waiting later and later in life to marry and to have children. Why? Because they're trying to get their careers set. They're trying to get their college set. And many of them, by the time they get out of college and by the time they are married and by the time they're thinking about having children or having the second guess, that option, because they have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of student loan debt. Are you hearing me? today amen we are we're placing and we're pushing our young people into this hallway of uncertainty and in this hallway of uncertainty they're no longer children but they're not yet quite adults they're no longer children but they haven't made it through this hallway they haven't jumped through all the hoops and gone through all the process and you hear me I don't want to get ahead of myself today but it's in this hallway this is where I'm concerned because it's in this hallway that hell is taking advantage amen and their voice, the voice that they hear of which way are you going to go and what are you going to do, there's a pull in this hallway of uncertainty, amen, there are voices from another world that are saying you don't need to do that and you don't need to go here and you don't need to go there, you need to get away from your mom and dad and you need to get away from their ideology and you need to get away from their rules and their regulations and there are voices that are in our minds and in our hearts today and so So I say, Lord God, help us to realize that there are voices and not a few, and none of them are ineffective, amen, in this world today, they all have a message, they're all preaching something, and I say, dear God, where is the church, amen, I hope that we're not in the corner with our hand over our mouth, I hope that we don't have the leadership of churches, amen, somewhere with a... With a, with a potato sack over their head, amen, saying don't say that and don't do this, amen. But I pray that we would let the voice of heaven speak in every Sunday school room. Let the voice of heaven speak in every children's church service. Let the voice of heaven, let it speak in every youth service. I pray that the voice of an almighty God would preach and would speak every time we walk into this holy house. There are voices in this this world and we need the voice of God to speak to us. We need the voice of God to speak to us. So again, we have to understand this contributing factors that extend the period between childhood and adulthood. I'm repeating myself a little, but it's not just grade school, but college, as I said, amen, it's necessary to live, amen, which makes this hallway of youth even longer. So the things, we're requiring more and more and more to be an adult, amen, to become an adult today is a pretty difficult thing. Before he's just cook and sew, Feed a few cows. Ride a horse. I'm not trying to oversimplify. I'm trying to make a point you could step out of childhood into adulthood pretty soon, but the culture of our world has changed as such Is there's so much time between childhood and adulthood. You can't hardly get a job or at least a career job, certainly while you're in school. You can't build to buy a house or a home while you're in school. And so the end result of this fact is that young people are being pushed out of childhood, but at the same time, they're being delayed from adulthood. Amen, they're pushed from the crib but on the other end is a force saying no not yet you're not an adult yet you're not here yet, you're not grown yet, you're not this yet, you're not, amen, do you see the dilemma, amen, young people don't know where they fit into society and therefore many of America's youth have got lost in these transitions of life, now I don't want to belabor the point here today, amen, but I think that this losses of our youth is no doubt what contributed to a lot of the 60's and the 70's rebellion, amen, because there were kids that didn't know where to go and they didn't know what to do and so they just rebelled against all authority because there was nobody to take them by the hand and to show them this is the way amen I just need you to help me today for a little while amen I'm telling you this morning amen that we are still living with the consequences well you can say well Woodstock is over and the hippie wagons are about all gone amen we can think that all the dope smokers have gone by way of the grave but let me tell you something we are reaping the sad harvest of all of that still yet in these days amen you hear me today when you see rebellion played out in the street it is by and large the youth of America amen that are rebelling against our authority amen it is the byproduct of all of this amen because no one told Johnny no amen and now Johnny's a father and now Johnny's a grandfather no one told Sally no and now Sally's a mother and a grandmother and they still had that resistance because there has been a lack of right, righteous voices in their life. And so I say, dear God of heaven, help us in this hour to realize that our challenge to have church is far beyond just three songs and a testimony service and to have a little get together here and a get together there. Our responsibility goes so much further than just trying to have a Sunday school program, a children's or a youth program, and say, well, we got that off the calendar. What do we do next? I'm going to tell you we need God-ordained god ordained God called, amen, God anointed leadership to say, God, help us. We need to hear from heaven every time we come together. We need the power of the Holy Ghost released. Praise God. We need the power of the Holy Ghost released in our children, amen. We need a release in our adults. We need a release in our assembly. We need the power, amen, of God. Praise the Lord. The tragedy today is beyond the telling. The breakdown of the modern home is unparalleled to any other age in our nation. Parents, no really, really many of them do not want the responsibility to be parents. Amen, they don't want the responsibility to be parents. I know what I'm talking about today. Amen. I'm not, I'm not just a cynical old guy standing in this pulpit. I know to some of you I'm old. Amen. But I'm not cynical. Amen. I'm telling you, I want to preach this truth and I want to preach it in love this morning. But I got to tell you that there is the absence of a guiding voice in the life. Of our young people today. Amen. We need mom and dad to be anointed and baptized. We need a mom and dad, amen, not just to be baptized with the Holy Ghost one time. That's not what I'm talking about. But we need a baptism of fire in our heart. Amen. I, I think it's already been said by one of the other ministers in one of our most recent services, but I will quote them today. Amen. That we can't be just our children's friends. Amen. We need to be a voice of guidance. Amen. We need to be a voice of amen but sometimes if you're just wanting to get along and sometimes if you're always wanting to be just considered the cool one amen you're going to leave you're going to be mute in a day when you need to be speaking up you're going to be quiet in a moment when you need to be heard and that moment could be a game-changing moment it could be a game-changing moment and so in the absence of these parental voices it has created a void And hell has most gladly accepted the challenge. TV sitcoms are now the guiding force for how families should be lived out. Hollywood stars have become the role models for America's youth. And where, I ask, are the voices of the fathers. Amen. The voices of the fathers. My God, somebody needs to stand up against this. Amen. I, Brother Gibson, I was at a meeting one time. This has been a long, long time ago. I was a meeting one time and some things were going on during the day. One of the old elders, old Brother L.P. Upton, he walked in that room and he looked around. He had a real deep, demanding, baritone voice. He said, we need somebody with some backbone around here. And you know what? I would just, if I could usher him from the grave, I'd just ask one favor. I'd ask him to get in that microphone and say that again today. We need somebody with some backbone around here. Amen. I'm not just talking about Hatchman Apostolic Church, but I am preaching to us today. Amen. We need the voice of a father. I'm going to ask you to turn your attention with me to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers. Amen. I don't want you to get lost in the verbiage, but I think you will see where I'm going with this. The book of Numbers chapter 30 and verse number one. Numbers chapter 30 and verse number one. And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel. He said, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Okay, we better, have, we better be on the edge of our seat now. Those are the God's fix and speak. This is the commandment of the Lord. So verse number two. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond... He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Watch verse 3. And if a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond. Watch this next line. Being in her father's house in her youth. That is an incredible exception. Wow, an incredible exception coming. Being in her youth, being in her father's house, verse number four, and her father shall hear her vow and her bond wherewith she has bound her soul and her father shall hold his peace at her and her father shall keep his mouth shut. You with me now? Then all her vows shall stand and every bond wherewith she has bound her soul shall stand. But verse five, but if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth, not 12 years later, not wait till they're 18, 18. Not not wait, one day we'll get around to fixing this. But in the day he hears her, if the father disallowed her, in the day he heareth not any of her vows or her bonds wherewith she has bound her soul shall stand, and the Lord shall forgive her because her father hath disallowed her." Amen. I am not here today to try to take anything out of context. But I want to draw out of this passage of scripture, amen, a pretty obvious thought. Amen, this focuses on the father's voice, but if I may, I want to broaden the point of this passage to include the voices of all fathers and forefathers, so to speak. And so when we think about forefathers, we don't really think about that being gender specific, and that would include both the voices of the mother and the father. Amen, it would include, I think, with some to some measure those who had influences on our life. And so although Nehemiah or Numbers rather is referring to a young lady, this same truth held true to young men that had not come to age as well. And so with that thought in mind, I want you to listen to the power of the verbiage of Numbers chapter 30. The Bible says if they vow a vow in their youth, this is key. Amen, this is so key. If they vow a vow in their youth and they're still in their father's house and the father hears that vow and if he says well I'm just not going to do anything about it I know she's a youth and I know he's a young man and and they're not even to the age of accountability and the law would forbid this or forgive this but I'm just going to be quiet it was the same thing as the father saying yay and amen and so be it and at an early age while the Bible says she was still a youth and in her father's house that God would hold them accountable. Amen. And God would hold that to their charge. But the holy writ said, but if the father hear that vow, in the day that he or she bowed that vow, that father could stand up and say, wait just a minute, God. Amen. They don't know what they're talking about. They're too young to be making decisions like this. They're too young to let this affect their future and see where they're going. The Bible said that God would hear the voice of the father and that he would disallow that vow and forgive them. And so I'm asking you today, if a voice can be that powerful, then why in the world aren't we using our voice? If a voice can can change the mind of God, then God forgive us if we are... If we are sitting silent, God said to Abraham, He said, Move out of the way, Abraham. I'm going to destroy Solomon and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham didn't go out there and wax all eloquent and do a little dance and a pony show. No, no, no. Abraham lifted his voice and said, Hey God, what if I can find 50? Amen. Hey, God. And so the Lord said, For 50, I will. And he lifted his voice again, Sister Bay, and said, What if I can Find 40, and what if I can find 30, and what if I can find 20, and what if I can find 10? I'm talking about the power of a voice today. I'm saying, God, anoint some mama, and anoint some daddy, and help us stand and be heard in this very hour. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? <clears throat> Oh, hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you help us today. The power of a voice. God said, Moses, move out of the way. I'm fixing to wipe them off the map, Moses. There won't even be a greasy spot in the sand when I'm done with them, Moses. Moses, move out of the way. And old Moses would lift those withered hands. Amen, he would lift that old frail, shaken voice and said, but wait a minute, God, if you kill them in this wilderness, the enemy is gonna say you let them out here to kill them. Hey, God, I just wanna be a voice of reason. I just wanna be a voice of reason. and and God changed his mind. Are you hearing me today? The Lord said to to Ezekiel, get your house in order, Ezekiel. I'm taking you out of here, Ezekiel. And and Ezekiel turned his face to the wall and with his voice, he cried out to God and God gave him 15 more years the power of a voice. The power of a voice. Oh, oh, oh. God, help us to speak up and not be silent in the hour that we're living in today. We need to speak up and not be silent. Amen. We need to understand that our silence is often viewed as ratification. Oh, sure. I'm not proud to tell you this, but I'm not alone in this. I ran up to my mom and said, Mom, do no, you care if I go so-and-so and so and so and you just kind of caught them and you know, just kind of called them off. They're they're talking to somebody else about something else. You kind of called them. They didn't really answer you because they didn't half hear you and they didn't know what was going on. But when they didn't say no, that was a wide open yes. And many times those wide open yeses came with huge consequences, but it was fun for a while. Well, you didn't say no. You didn't say No. And you know, sometimes that worked because they didn't say no. Amen, but I'm gonna tell you that's why we need the anointing of the Lord. Now, I understand again that I have been treading very, very lightly through scripture today and, and I hope that I am not abusing this by any stretch of the imagination and I understand that we can't pray prayers of repentance for our kids and, and that the, the soul that sinned, that's the soul that shall die. That's what Ezekiel said. And, amen, and so the Lord touches us and we understand that, but I just there was just something that came to me this morning service when I got through the first service it just came to me and I I knew it was there but I just looked it up I wanted to read it again because I've been moved by I've been moved by this passage of scripture so many times when I read in Job 1 amen where on those feast days where his sons and his daughters would come together amen they just have a big old party they just having a big old time amen old Job he knew they were having a good time and Job knew what they were doing amen and the Bible says that Job amen the next day he would rise early that's what the Bible says says, amen, he would rise early in the morning and old Job's over there building a fire, old Job's over there offering a sacrifice, he said just in case, just in case last night, in the case they charged God foolishly, in case they spoke disrespectful of the Lord I'm in the scripture now, amen he said I'm gonna offer a burnt offering it may be that they sinned or they cursed God and hear me, the Bible doesn't just stop right there but the Bible says of Job that he did this continually, amen he was an, a constant voice amen when his sons and daughters were over there amen they may have been doing their own thing and doing whatever they wanted to do but friend you could count on it at daylight the next morning old Job was chopping wood amen Job was building an altar Job was slaying a lamb he was offering a sacrifice he said God it just may be that in their youth it just may be in their foolishness it just may be in their innocence God that they charge you I want an offer of sacrifice on their behalf I'm talking about voices today I'm talking about voices today Praise God Praise God Voices The father shall hear the vow Wherewith she has bound her soul oh God If he shall hold his peace Then all her vows shall stand and every bond wherewith she has bound her soul shall stand. I get that we all have to seek out our own salvation. And I want you young people to get that nobody can pray a prayer of repentance for you, and nobody can live for God for you but you. I'm hesitant to talk about my family because I know my family is not perfect. And, and so I don't want you to think that I've got somebody on some crystal palace somewhere but I'll tell you the home I was raised in I was raised in the home of a praying mother and I've told you a, 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 lot, a lot of this but for those who may not know this just bear with me for a second I was born late in my mom and dad's life my oldest brother's 13 years older than me my middle brother's 9 years older than me and so that gave me a real unique position to be raised in life. My brothers were a little bit older and they was kind of all getting into, into some trouble. And I'm gonna tell you more than one time, my mama got me up in the middle of the night and God had shown her where they were. I'm not, this, this preacher's not blowing smoke to you today. I remember the looks of my brothers when we drove up. My mom wouldn't have weighed 90 pounds with a bag of marbles in each hand. She meant business. She went in there. There wasn't no, it wasn't no arguing. My wife was raised in the home of a grandmother that could not read or write. And more than one time, the Lord has woken her grandmother up in the middle of the night Well, some of her kids were somewhere she didn't belong and God would lead her straight to where they were. You're talking about an embarrassing moment. But you know why? Because there was a voice that said, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go here. We're not going to do this. Amen. I've I've shared this with you before, but I'm going to tell you that put something in my heart. I got up, was dating a young girl one time and, I had a curfew. Her curfew was later than mine. And I had a curfew. I had to be in a little bit earlier and I'm trying to figure out how we're gonna, you know, cross this little awkward bridge. And so, um, you know, I'm thinking, man, well, I gotta go. And she's saying, no, come on, we can stay out. You know, we, come on, we can do this. And boy, you know, part of you is wanting to give in to that. And then I remember those trips with my mama. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm sitting in that car. I'm thinking, now which is going to be more embarrassing: me telling her I'm sorry, I got to be home by 11, no matter what you think of me, or my mama come sliding up there, because she wouldn't have been graceful with it. It wouldn't like she'd have slipped in. No, no, no. Everybody in the county would have known Betty Jean had arrived. I'm trying to decide the lesser of the two evils, and the lesser of the two evils was to swallow my pride. And you know what? She never went out with me again, and that was fine. I didn't get, my picture wasn't in the front page either. i tell you what. I wasn't in the emergency room either. Because there was a voice. There was a voice. A voice. Amen. I'm not trying to laugh this away today. But a voice of our elders. I believe we need men and women to stand and plant our feet in the soil of truth and be heard you know the Bible is replete with examples of elders teaching the younger and elders being examples to the younger more now than ever before I know we can't go back in time we can't fix what I've talked about here today therefore we have to deal with this long hallway it's here to stay and it will probably just get longer and so I've not today come to tell us we need to tear down the hallway I've come to tell us we better acknowledge the hallway That's right. and understand in this big hallway where we push them out of childhood but we won't let them into adulthood, we had better have a voice in their life. Yes, Everything yes, our kids do is not cool, That's right. everything's not funny, That's right. everything's not righteous, That's right. everything's not leading down the right road. Amen. I'm thankful that, that we have people in our lives. I've, I've been real hesitant. This has been on my mind all, all for several days. I've been real hesitant to mention this because I don't want uh, to be under, misunderstood even though I, I probably will be. But I, I remember it's been years ago. I think it's been long enough ago I feel comfortable mentioning it because nobody, no, nobody involved in this is here. Some of them not even alive today. But I remember many years ago One of the young ladies in our church was kind of going through a tough time in her life and she had kind of gone out and done some things. And one of the elderly sisters in the church who really was a prayerful person and a very, I think, very dedicated and sensitive person to the Lord went to this young lady in love. Now, this was not a minor child I'm talking about. Not a minor child. Went to this young lady and just tried to admonish her, you know, you need to, this, don't, don't go where you're going. Don't, don't do this. Don't go down this road. And she went and told her mama. And when her mama got through talking to that elder in this church, it wasn't pretty. Don't you talk to my girl that way. It ain't none of your business. Now, I understand that we got a lot of people that would love to fulfill the office of a busybody. They, they already got the job. They just don't have the badge. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody who's trying to clean everybody else's clock and mow everybody else's yard. But I'm talking about the elders that Titus talked about. I ought to take the hand of these young. Help us. And let let me tell every parent here something. That before you chase off every voice of influence in your child's life, don't ever discount one day you may need that voice. And some that you think are going to be the voice is not the voice they need. And some that seem like the most unlikely source in the world, God will pull them out of the crowd. Amen, so don't ever resent. I'm not talking about yanking somebody's kid up by the nap of the neck and pulling your belt off. I hope you got understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about that, but I'm telling you we need a voice of guidance in our life. Amen, we need Sunday school teachers that have the liberty to teach what is in this word and what this church stands for. They don't need to just hear that for the first time when they get to my class they don't just need to hear that for the first time when they get to the use service they, they, need to, they need to understand I'm telling you something I don't take this lightly uh, every year Sister Rayleigh and those that help her him and I, our communion services and foot washing you know and they may not use the same ingredients we use I think what we'll you use cheese sometimes or whatever and they kind of make it fun but they get them to understand don't get you any ideas we're not switching to cheese but anyway they just use some they just use some drinks and some things that are symbolic to teach them and to Lead them, and you know what they're doing. They're 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 teaching them. They're showing them. You know what they're doing. I'm going to tell you. I, I believe Brother Feld handled this well the other day. Amen. When they got our children back there, they're painting blood over the doorposts of their heart. Amen. They're painting. Amen. They're mopping some blood over. The, amen. They're 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 putting something over the heart of our children. I want them to have the liberty and the latitudes. Preach the word. Speak the word. Amen. Talk to them. Influence them. Because hear me, mom, and you hear me, dad. And there's some older moms and dads. You know. What I'm fixing to say is going to be the truth, so you can just get your amen ready. But you may be the most influential voice in your life, in your child's life right now. But there's coming a day, there's coming a day when they wouldn't listen to you if you tell them it's noon outside. They're going to go to the wind and look before they take your word, amen. That's why you better pray that you have built somebody in their life that has a voice, somebody that can speak to them, amen. We better pray to God. He put some voices in their life. Amen. You better pray to God you put some voices in their life. Oh, help me today. Amen. I just feel a Holy Ghost boldness on me this morning. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. If you spend all week long tearing down your Sunday school teacher, if you spend all week long tearing down your youth director, if you spend all week long tearing down your pastor, you're wasting your time to tell them, you better go talk to Brother Boyd. Amen. You better go talk to Brother Justin. You better better go talk to brother daryl you better go talk to sister amy you better go talk to sister rayleigh if you have filleted them every day of the week you're wasting your time because you have muted their voice you have muted their voice in their life you've muted their voice <laughs> praise god praise god Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand. I've I've got sense enough to know you are done. We need godly advice from spiritual parents. That goes without saying. I just need some parents to help me right now. It's a cat of a different color when it's yours, ain't it? be a Sunday school teacher for years, and teaching me to live right, straighten up dress right. You need to do this, you need to have your own children all of a sudden. All of a sudden, them running around kicking somebody on the shin cute now I'm walking past, somebody's spitting on them. well, they hadn't had their nap. I should have just hushed while I got you to stand, shouldn't I? But it is the truth. It gets different. Right, right. Yes sir. And then that kind of does times two when it's grandchildren. Right, right. Because before you have children you know what to do with them screaming babies in church. And if I'd have had any sense while you had all those answers, we would have built you a booth in the foyer for those times that were soon to come. But all of a sudden, it's yours. I'm not even sure how I got on this. I am honest to goodness, I don't know how I got here. But I'm telling you that we need We need, we need really me to get back on track. That's what we need the first thing. But we need to understand that here's, here's where I was going. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It was like a rabbit. It can run in circles, so they say. I have to look back and I have to admire the parents before me because, see, it was difficult for them too. But they stood. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. It wasn't any easier for them than it will be for us no more difficult for us than it was for them. Amen. So they need, we need our leadership. Amen. We need someone that will help. And, and I'm going to reach back to a couple of sermons ago, but what we need is somebody that can help reduce the distance between Mount Olive and Jerusalem. And that's what these ministries will serve to be. I'm going to close with this because I've actually been told this through the years, not many times, and it's been decades. I heard someone say to me, they said to me, not heard it, they said to me, I just don't want to make my children go to church because I was made to go to church. And it put something in me. Uh, We have heard that. And you know what I said? You make them eat, don't you? You make them get an education, don't you? I mean, this is nuts. And pardon me for being so blunt. That's crazy. I don't want them to have a bad feeling about it. Are you kidding? They won't have a bad feeling. I'm glad. I'm glad. uh, If I just keep stacking all this up, it'll remind me to hush. But I'm glad for people around me that made living for God not look like and seem like a drudgery. Thank God for that. I saw you wave your hand, brother. Aren't you thankful for that? My Lord, I'm thankful for, I'm glad for my parents. And I'm glad for my parents, but I'm glad I had Sunday school teachers. Man, they just kept me riveted. I mean, I'm I'm glad for Sunday school lessons and youth lessons that I'm glad that they, man, they just had such joy in their heart and, and peace in their heart and their home and it just created something in me. Amen, don't fall prey to the voices. Now, I'm gonna summarize all this. The doorway, The step used to just be a doorway. Now it's a hallway. And in this hallway, there are more voices to fill the minds and the hearts of our young people. And I'm asking you today, let's fill that hallway with positive voices. You can live for God. You can do this. You can live for God. Amen. Everyone, I want every one of these young people to look at me. Amen. You can live for God. You can live for God in school. You can live for God. 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 All across this audience, you can live for God. You don't have to wreck your life. You don't have to wreck your life. You can live for God. Amen. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Praise God. Across this building, let's pray. I'm not sure how to end. I'm just going to ask God to seal this word in our heart today. God, I pray that your anointing will touch us. I know, God, this has kind of been instructional or whatever today, but I pray that somewhere in our mind, in our soul, in our spirit, oh, God, that we can get a hold of this and let this get a hold of us. Let something, God, let something... With tentacles, let something barb and prick our heart. Let something touch us today. And God, let us speak up. Let us speak up. Speak up loud and speak up clear. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask every man in this house. I'm going to ask every lady in this house, amen, to live a holy and a righteous life and do it with your smile on. Amen. Don't walk around like you've lost 10 of your best friends. I'm going to tell you that I'm unspotted from the world. Amen. The reason I'm dressing modestly is because I'm covering up what doesn't belong to somebody else. It's not on display on purpose. It's not on display on purpose. It's not on display on purpose. Amen. I need every lady in this house. I need every man in this house. Amen. We need the godliness and we need the righteousness and we need the holiness of the Lord to be imparted into our children and our youth. And I'm gonna tell you, don't worry about standing out at school because some of those, I saw a girl yesterday. I saw a girl Friday. I know you're standing in such hope. Some of you got your eye on the door. I saw a girl walking in public the other day. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It looked like a a disc this big around her in her ears and and whatever it looked like. I don't know what it was in her nose and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, there's not one reason for our young ladies to be ashamed. She wasn't no more ashamed. She was almost daring somebody to say something about her. Amen. You keep your dresses on and you stay holy and you stay righteous before the Lord. And you young men, amen, you young men, don't be ashamed to look like young men. I got one more thing to say if you got time. One more thing to say if you got time. The Lord hates mediocrity. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but because you're warm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He's a God of lines, a God of defined lines. Listen, we for generations and decades perhaps wondered what in the world is the big deal with gender identity? Well, we shouldn't be asking that today. Amen. Amen. That's, that's why this was in the Bible years ago. That's why I've been preachers have been talking about this. Amen. They, they knew what was coming down the road. Amen. Prophets looked down the road and you know what? The Bible talks about the spirit of effeminacy. Am I right? You know why? Because it's a blurred line and God hates blurred lines. So... Amen. We need manly, godly, young men and feminine, godly, young ladies. Amen. I'm going home. I don't know about y'all. God bless you. I love you.